0: Good evening and welcome to the first episode of 2021 of the Chainergy Coffee Company podcast. As I stated uh, in my last episode of uh, last year, uh, this podcast is going to be refocused a bit uh, and uh, I'm going to refocus it um, more on topics of uh, international trade, of course finance management and it's going also to document the rebirth of the Chainergy Coffee Company podcast as a company in the proper sense. However, this is still going to be my pulpit in which I will try to address a few issues that I find interesting or that I think should be addressed from a different point of view. And uh, the point I want to um, try to understand a little bit with you guys today is the investment agreement that has been signed between the EU and uh, China now uh, to give a little bit of background it's not a trade agreement so it doesn't cover uh, really free trade also because china was not let's say very welcoming to the idea of a trade agreement Uh, it's an investment agreement so it it refers to the protection of ip of rights uh, equal treatment of investment from foreign companies into china and from for chinese company into europe Now, the general consensus in the press uh, and especially in a certain political area has been that this trade agreement, uh, this investment agreement, is a disgrace. It has been seen as a win for China. It has been seen as a a token concession to the EU. And in a lot of EU countries, in Italy, I've seen it quite a bit. But also, this criticism came from uh, areas like France and uh, Germany itself, even. It has been said that this agreement is essentially uh, only to pursue German interests, and it was in German interest to ratify this agreement before the semester in which uh, the rotating presidency of the EU was uh, on the the shoulders of Germany to conclude it uh, for Merkel to have a win between inverted commas in this area. The various uh, um, critical points that have been uh, addressed are things like uh, the fact that it puts potentially a strain in transatlantic relationship because uh, the US is much less, uh, um, let's say, available in uh, appeasing China. So that's essentially the the main criticism that this agreement is an appeasement on the part of the EU to China to cover mostly the interests of German businesses. I have a little bit of a different view on this. Why? First, an investment agreement that covers all the countries in the EU essentially covers the entire economic space of the European Union. And in Europe there isn't only Germany as a strong exporter and as a strong driver of foreign investment into China. There is also the Netherlands, there is France itself, somehow even Italy. Now it's true that the amount of money, of flows that have been invested in China by the EU dwarfs, by a good margin, the amount of investment that has been carried out by North American companies. Just think about the fact that Apple is producing most of its uh, cell phones in China, most of the uh, chips, so processor production is concentrated in China, hence uh, inevitably these are areas in which uh, American multinationals are strongest and so their investment has been the most relevant. However, uh, there are uh, joint ventures for example for car manufacturing, there are joint ventures for petrochemicals. there is all a number of uh, areas in which uh, European companies have invested and they've faced a lot of uh, obstacles on the part of China because China has never been a very fair competitor to be to be fair. China is big, is the biggest economy in the world right now, more or less maybe not in terms of gdp maybe the united states is still ahead but in terms of uh, in certain sectors uh, is for sure uh, the manufacturing hub of the world is the the sweatshop of the world it's not so true that it's only just a sweatshop because china is also innovating a lot is investing a lot in certain technologies so it's a little bit reductive to still see china as the factory of the world it's still a very important part of its uh, of its uh, economic power, but it's not so true anymore. And, however, there are for sure uh, critics, uh, criticism to be made in the way that China has uh, uh, stolen uh, intellectual property, the way that China has treated uh, uh, foreign company, the way, the fact that it forced, it, for example, in the car sector, uh, uh, joint venture with local players, which obviously inevitably translates in uh, Willing or unwilling, uh, uh, let's say willing or unwilling, IP theft. I mean, you could call it theft or you could call it uh, transfer. So an unwilling transfer is theft. I mean, let's let's not kid each other. And uh, one of the main criticism also in 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 this area, was the fact that uh, whereas Europe, uh, has to, European companies have to adhere to. Uh, labor standards to environmental standards china was getting a free ride on this however there is i believe a certain hypocrisy in this criticism so the first uh, a certain hypocrisy and a certain delusion the first delusion the first let's say let's start with the with the hypocrisy the hypocrisy is due to the fact that almost every european country except, Northern, except i believe ireland had already some form of bilateral investment agreement with china which were most likely less favorable than this deal so although it's not uh, a perfect deal it's not a deal that is probably even fully enforceable it's still uh, i believe a progress it's a step in the right direction and that's essentially what also the european trade commissioner was uh, uh, the lithuanian guy no, i cannot pronounce his name properly don't i think it's something like that um, was was essentially reporting to the press he, he said it's not a perfect agreement it can be improved but it's a, a step in the right direction and i believe that's to be the case considering that already there were investment uh, agreement between the various european countries and china It gives a a clear framework that it's applicable for all companies operating out out of the European Union. It's not yet into force because it needs to be ratified by the European Parliament and will enter into force essentially once uh, uh, it will take probably around two years to enter into full force. It's not a given that this agreement is going to exist in the way that that we, we see it now. Then there is a little bit of delusion. The delusion is in the fact that Europe still hasn't fully understood, at least in my humble opinion, the fact that its weight in geopolitical and economical games is reducing fast it's reducing mostly for a uh, demographic reason. And the population of Europe is essentially stable. It's a continent that is getting older. Still uh, probably the richest uh, area in the world, but its relative weight to the world GDP is inevitably declining, why? Because other economies, mostly China and India are uh, progressing fast. So uh, is that a bad thing well uh, for people that believe that europe should have uh, supremacy in matters of geopolitics probably is not a good news but it's just a fact i mean it's not it's not even a problem it's a fact it's something that uh, it's inevitable it's a little bit the course of history in in, in a sense uh, and i think it's also a little bit the delusion behind the brexit but okay let's let's not uh, let's not get it carried away in in these arguments, so can really Europe pretend to force its will on a country like China in its current form? No, because although maybe in terms of uh, size of economy, the two are probably comparable. I mean, probably they are comparable. Probably the US is bigger. In terms of geopolitical power that's not the case first because the eu is not a single political entity it's getting more integrated but it's not nowhere close to be a political entity and second because the military might still has a certain importance and the military might of the european union is essentially nil, because we have a bunch of countries that have their own army, they are integrated in the North Atlantic alliance, so the NATO, but they are not a power. Hence inevitably we need to uh, deal with this simple fact. So pretending that uh, no deal would be better than this deal because this deal might endanger our relationship with the US etc I think is a little bit of delusion it's delusion it's hypocrisy and it's also a misconception because having an investment agreement is a small step in the engagement and might actually reap some benefits even for the areas which uh, people believe to be not covered enough i don't think necessarily that an investment agreement should put a strain in our relationship with the u.s also because at a certain stage we should also ask ourselves if this relationship is a relationship of equals or not in my opinion is not for obvious reasons for the same reason that we cannot force our will on china for that very same reason we cannot have an equal partnership with the US because the US is the most powerful country on the planet. However, once we take this out of the picture, it's obvious that the European Union has a right and it's doing in my view, though not in a very efficient way, although not as strong as it should, it's doing its part to protect the interest of its entire community. I don't believe that this agreement is only benefiting germany one of the most ridiculous critics criticism that i read is uh, ah uh, the agreement allows volkswagen for which the chinese market is one of the most important market to go at it alone without having to have a joint venture with a local player true but volkswagen is not the only european car manufacturer there is a bmw which is also german okay there is uh, now this new kind of giant which is the the merger between uh, called stellantis is the merger between psa so Peugeot citroen of france and fca so fiat chrysler automobiles of italy slash us so also these groups can reap benefit whether they will be able it's a different story but can reap some benefits so overall i'm not sure there is uh, so much uh, justified negative criticism of this agreement. Of course, again there are sticky points, but I don't believe we should only see the negative part. So getting a little bit more into the details of the agreement, what does this uh, agreement entail? So why he, I believe is a step in the right direction. Well there are a number of provisions, some of which might be wishful thinking, some of which uh, are actually a good step in the right direction so uh, under this investment agreement the market access of european companies to china is going to be strengthened meaning that there isn't going to be for example for uh, car manufacturing the the mandatory setting up of a joint venture with the local players Uh, the same will go for petrochemical uh, production which is still very important it's an important part of the investment of the foreign investment of the EU investment in China again there is a big German company that is probably the most affected which is BASF but it's not the only one it's going to be uh, somehow possible for uh, EU companies to set up certain financial services and certain services in China uh, in maritime maritime service construction and it's going to be possible for European companies to access public tender for for example infrastructure projects. There are commitments to fair competition Uh, why fair competition? China is not a great environment when it comes to fair competition there are some big state-owned enterprises which obviously being china still a centrally planned economy they obviously enjoy subsidies and help and a preferential treatment so in this uh, in this uh, china commits itself uh, we'll have to see how much is going to be enforceable this to uh, make sure that soes will uh, be active uh, and will take decision only based on commercial considerations, so not political. Uh, There there is going to be a mechanism to reduce the discrimination in the treatment between SOEs and uh, EU companies. And uh, essentially China commits to a greater transparency in what are the uh, subsidies... Provided both to the service sector and to the <coughs> me, sorry, and to the manufacturing sec- sector. Another very big commitment in this part is that there is going to be a clear prohibition of investment requirements that compel transfer of technology. So China cannot uh, force uh, an IT company or let's say an tech company to set that wants to set up shop in China. To transfer to its local partners the technology that it has developed or at least cannot compel without at least a fair uh, compensation but actually it just cannot compel it uh, of course if the company is going to be remunerated the fairly for this transfer of technology then it's going to be up to the company to decide whether to transfer it or not however the mandatory transfer should be scrapped uh, in this then there are a couple of other ancillary uh, consideration where for example uh, the protection of uh, confidential business uh, information confidential business information has a fairly wide uh, definition but in this specific case it means essentially the trade secret cannot be revealed let's say if i am in uh, business with the uh, IC, with the Inter- international construction bank of china which is one of the biggest bank uh, the bank cannot take the information that, that gets from me and provide it to one of its Chinese clients based on political consideration. The most, uh, let's say, blue-eyed agreement is actually on um, the fact that uh, China commits to respect the ILO, so International Labor Organization, practices on... Um, sustainable de- development and on fair treatment of its workers and of its workforce and so on. Now the point is why why this is blue-eyed, why this is a little bit preposterous? Because It's going to be fairly difficult in case there is a case of non-compliance to force china to adhere to the standard that has committed to however the fact that already the fact that we're increasing transparency will allow european companies and more than anything european consumers to know if things are going let's say in the right direction or not and then it's always possible through a mechanism which is a bilateral mechanism of dispute setting to raise concern and raise grievances and address them of course every, every time this will happen is going to be a negotiation and it's unlikely that there is going to be full satisfaction for one of the two parties and especially in this case because china is essentially the stronger party between the two however again before the agreement there was nothing allowing for more transparency there was nothing allowing even to try to readdress the grievances now there is a ministerial level mechanism where companies can take their grievances and more than anything the public can know what kind of grievances we have against practices in china for example the forced labor for example in IP theft, for example, unfair treatment in tenders and in general in the uh, awarding of public contracts, or even in the awarding of licenses, for example, for a bank to overrate, for an insurance to overrate. So to summarize, why I believe all this negativity towards this uh, agreement with China is misplaced? europe invests every year about 170 the latest data that i heard that i read was around 170 billion dollars into china of this uh, about 25 percent of it is manufacturing but it, there is a growing share in health and biotech five percent each uh, information and communication another 16 percent so there are very important sectors for the future of europe that needs to be covered against unfair practices on top of that china is expanding towards the border of europe the famous silk road initiative that they call the belt and road initiative has already uh, reached kazakhstan i mean it's clearly going to be at the border with europe fairly soon so It's not uh, unthinkable to have uh, almost a direct access to the Chinese market right at the border of Europe if, if things continue overall this way. And second, it's important to engage. Engaging is never a bad idea. It's never a bad idea because with engagement comes information, with information comes the ability for citizens and corporations to influence the policies and hence to better the playing field I'm not going to expect a fair a perfect level playing field but to better the playing field for every operator for every European operator when dealing with China. So uh, although I understand all the dApps and for sure there are substantial doubts and substantial gray area on whether this is really an enforceable deal or where this deal will stand the test of operation i am overall partly optimist and i believe that uh, a deal an imperfect deal is better than no deal at all because it's still a step in the right direction let's say that this is everything for the topic of the eu china investment deal. Uh, wish you everyone a good night and uh, the appointment is to the next episode of the chenergy coffee company podcast thank you for tuning in and have a nice week